Let me just remind you, um, tonight, if you, in fact, if you uh, have made pledges toward the I-54 campaign, tonight we're having a meeting, but it's not just a normal meeting. It's a meeting God put in my heart to really inspire us to continue to move ahead with bold, audacious faith, which is the series we're kicking off today. Um, you know, we stepped out in faith. I asked you a year ago to do two things. I asked you to pray, and then I asked you just to hear God and obey. How I many of you know it doesn't get any simpler than that? Go before the Lord and pray. If the Lord doesn't lay on your heart anything, don't do it. Uh, If he lays on your heart something, do it. And if he lays on your heart something really big, really do it because it's got to be God and he's going to have to stretch you and bless you to allow that to flow through you. Everybody know what I'm talking about? And you know what? We stepped out in faith. And I just want to tell you, there are so many stories of people that God met, whatever it was that they obeyed and gave, which seemed like a stretch, God more than met that difference and brought them into a place of greater increase. Now, others of you are still going through tight times or whatever, and here's my point. This is what the Lord shared with me. When we get together, we'll certainly share some information, but this is not an informational meeting. This is an impartational meeting because we need to move ahead for the next two years in bold faith. How many of you know it's foolish to start in the Spirit and end in the flesh? It's, it's foolish to start in humble reliance upon the strength of God and His provision and then somehow try to do it on your own strength. I don't want us to do that. I want us to stay happy. Everybody say happy. I want us to stay in grace and in the, the flow of what God has for us. God says His burden is light. His yoke is easy. Everybody say easy. This is supposed to be easy. Uh, and I want to stay in that flow. So listen, if you're new to our church, you're invited tonight. If you have a desire to partner with us, come out tonight, because I'm just, like I said, we're going to share some stories. We're going to hear where people are at. We're going to pray. We're going to go after God's heart. We're going to believe Him for breakthrough. I'm just telling you, God wants us to allow Him to be God. Well, pastor, what do you mean by that? It means He wants us to believe Him for things that are greater than our physical ability to see them happen, because God is a supernatural God. In fact, God is unnecessary if we can do it in the natural. We need to hear this in America. The church is not built by good planning, and the church is not built by hard work. The church is built by the supernatural activity of God, doing things that only God can do, astounding the minds of people who don't know God, because God loves to show off His greatness because He's so awesome. Three of you heard me. God loves to show off His greatness because He's awesome. And, and the only way he gets to do that is when we stop acting like business CEOs or financial planners. I'm just telling you, I'm believing that we are out of debt in the next two years, which would take a supernatural move of God to come from places that I don't even know yet. But I'm just telling you, God can do anything. With God, all things are possible. And God says this, nothing is impossible for him who believes. I want to err on the side of belief. How about you? I want to see God do things in my lifetime and in your lifetime and in my family and in our church that are mind-blowing. Am I talking to the right crowd? In fact, if you're going cruising on your little Christian life now and you're bored out of your mind, may I suggest to you, God wants to stir you up and cause you to believe Him for things that cause you to pray, that cause you to to spend some time before Him, that cause you to sacrifice, that cause you to have to ratchet up your faith a little bit because He's looking for some people on the earth that will believe Him to do what only He can do. In fact, God is honored when people ask Him for great things. It honors God when we go after Him 
his heart and believe him for great things. You know, we're seeing these schools open up as fast. I mean, we, didn't, we don't even have a brochure. I mean, there's like no, there's no marketing on this. This is something God's doing. All these schools cost money. Pastor, is that in the budget? No, it's not in the budget. Pastor, are you worried? No, this is God's church. This is what God's doing. God funds all these things. And I'm telling you, I told you before, for God to bless the church, he has to bless you. This is the good news. It doesn't, money doesn't fall out of heaven. God blesses people, and people bless what he's doing, and then God blesses you more, and then his work is blessed. This isn't rocket science. God has to enlarge us. He has to enlarge our capacity. You know, there's two, two uh, chapters in the Bible that are dedicated to two values or culture aspects that I believe are so important, and, and there's stuff that we major in around here. How I many you know 1 Corinthians 13? What's that chapter deal with? It's the love chapter, all right? In this crazy world in which we live today where everybody's got their own ideas about what love is, God's already told us what love is in one whole chapter of the Bible. We should read it. Love. I mean, you know, if you've been at this church for any length of time, and I brag on the Lord in all of you, one thing that people say is, you know what, people at that church love you. That's been our testimony for 30 plus years. People at that church love you. Not just in talk, but they love you. They'll help you. They'll stand with you. They'll hug you. They'll pray with you. Uh, and I just want to tell you, that is the reason we need to fight for that culture here is because that's part of God's heart. It's part of the culture of heaven. If God spent a whole chapter in the Bible telling us what love is, and how many of you know it needs to be a priority in my life personally, in my marriage, among my family, in this church family, can I get an amen on that one? But guess what? There's one other chapter in the Bible that's completely dedicated to one fruit, all right? To one aspect of, 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 that we should have as a character attribute, and that's Hebrews chapter 11. Does anybody know what Hebrews chapter 11 talks about? Say it, say it really loud. Faith. Faith. God spent a whole chapter talking to us about faith about believing him, about being dependent upon him, about having not just little teeny tiny faith, but having bold, audacious faith. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. A faith that reaches out and grabs a hold of God and believes God and believes his promises. And so I want to stir you up a little bit this week and in the weeks that come. You know, we sang that song. It's one of my favorites. When I heard it was on the song list today, I got so excited. Do you all ever have those Sundays when they sing your favorite song? One of my favorite songs. I could play it on the loop, the loop, the loop, the loop, over and over again. You make me brave. Oh, I love that song. Why do I love that song? Because it talks about God pushing us off the shore of our comfortable faith into the waves where the waves are over our heads. How many of you know what I'm talking about? What most of us, we're walking along. We don't want to get wet or the little waves come up. Playing on the beach, and God's like, I so want to trash you with a giant wave, all right? Throw us out there. Get us over your head. Believe in God for things that only God can do. You make me brave. You call me out beyond the shore into the waves, into the deep, into the miraculous place where only God can reveal his glory and power. So read with me. We're going to use this verse today, Hebrews eleven six, 6, as our jumping off point. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Listen quickly, we're going to fly, all right? Go get your, get your hearing caps on. We're going to blast through this. Hebrews eleven six, Without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. I'm going to read that again. Without faith living within us. Read this with me. It would be what? Impossible. Say it again. Impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that he's real. 
and that he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. Now, I want to frame this for us today because if I told you, hey, you guys, it's important that we have faith in God, it would go over your head and everybody would go, yeah, that's good, Pastor, and we'd all leave here and we'd be completely untouched. You need to hear this today. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, let me ask you this question. On the grand scheme of things, how important do you think it is that your life pleases God? I'm just trying to frame it again, all right? On the grand scheme of things, let me ask, let me ask it this way. Is there anything more important? Is there any question more important to ask in all of the questions that could be asked in all of human history? Is there any question more important than this question? Is my life, is your life pleasing to God? Now, why is this an important question? I'm going to try to frame it for you this morning. I'm going to give me some time here because I'm going to, I'm going to lay some tracks, okay? So follow with me. You know, some people talk about faith being a leap. Faith is not a leap. Or they talk about blind faith. Don't ever follow blind anything. We, our faith is not blind. We leap into God Almighty. We put our confidence in God who has revealed himself to us. There's nothing blind about being a Christian. It's the most intelligent, rational, logical thing a person could ever do with their life. Let me explain this. I'm going to lay some foundation for you. How important is a God-pleasing life for the believer? Look at verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10 on the screen there. Paul says, so our aim, in other words, our target, the thing we shoot for, is to please him always and in everything that we do. I mean, you know, pleasing God was pretty important to the Apostle Paul. Please him always, please him in everything, whether we're here in this body or whether away from this body with him in heaven. Look at verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged and to have our lives laid bare before him. I just fast-forwarded the tape of all of human history. How many of you know Jesus Christ is returning to judge the living and the dead? Let me ask you a logical question. How do you know this? Is this a fairy tale? Is this an opinion? How do we know this? There's a historical event that took place. What's the historical event? It's called the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How do you know if he rose from the dead and he prophesied that he would and Hundreds of years of scriptures prophesied that he would come and die in three days and be raised from the dead. How many of you know when you prophesy it and then you do it, that sets you apart from every other wannabe religious leader? Why do we know Jesus is coming back? Because he's alive. Because he's alive. You can't say that about any other religion. Jesus is alive. And he's coming back. And listen, we're going to stand before him. It won't be a corporate event. You won't be able to hide in the back like at the sixth grade dance. You're not going to be able to hide behind a pole. You're going to stand before him. And the Bible says our lives are going to be laid bare. That means that anything that was hidden will be revealed. I mean, you know, sometimes we're good, we're good hiders, aren't we? We put on a certain pose, a certain posture. Uh, we, we try to look good. You know, church folks are the worst, aren't we? You know, we, we fight and fuss. And the, I, I'm just being real. That's why we started off by repenting, right? We fight and fuss in the car all the way here, and then we get here and say, praise the Lord, brother, I'm doing great. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you realize, I picture it like this. You don't want to go and stand before the Lord, and he's going to say, just like the ESPN highlights of the week, we're going to show the 10 worst moments of your life. 
hey, you all enjoy this, all right? Here's the worst 10 moments of Pastor Ron's life. I'm like, no, not that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is the highlight reel running in your mind? How many of you know you don't want that reel shown? But here's the point. You're going to stand before God, and all that's going to matter when you're standing for God is this question. Is my life pleasing to the Lord? Can anybody think of a more important question at that moment? That is the question. Now hear me. Without faith, it is to please God. How important is faith? If you cannot please God without faith, then we better major on living faith. Now let me, I'm just messing with you this morning. That's okay, because I'm one of you. The reason I'm an expert on this is because I'm just like you. All right? Most believers say, oh yeah, I have faith in God. But they don't have faith in God when trouble comes. Then they act like ungodly people who don't even know God or don't care if there's a God. And we're practical atheists. We say we believe in God till the crisis hits, and then we cuss like everybody else. We lose it. We're angry. We throw things. We're, we're, we're freaking out. We lose our peace because we say we believe in God, but when the crisis hits, we act like we don't know God from a hole in the ground. Now, knowing God and acting like we know God, here's the deal. How many of you figured this out too? Some of you were lied to. You were told as soon as you gave your life to the Lord, all your problems would go away, and one day you'd, you know, you'd, you'd sail away to the sweet by and by, and everything's going to be great. That's the biggest lie. This is what the Bible says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's not that people that don't know God have less problems. It's that we all are equally blessed with problems. The question is, what do you do with the problems? We have resources that someone who doesn't know God and doesn't believe in God doesn't have available to them. God expects us to take the faith that we have to release it, to trust him in areas in our life and not act like pagan, ungodly people when we're confronted with issues. Make it your aim to always please him in everything that you do. Now, I just got to say this quickly. I thank the Lord I am not going to be standing before him on the great day And on the basis of my ability to live a God-pleasing life, can anybody shout hallelujah on that one? In other words, it's not going to be, Jesus, I'm glad I'm here. Go ahead. Check me out. I lived 100% pleasing you all the days of my life. I would be struck dead in a second. Because every one of us in this room knows we haven't lived a God-pleasing life. Most of our time, we're looking to please. (laughs) All right. Am I talking to the right crowd? (laughs) We live, you don't have to tell people, hey, take care of yourself. Oh, trust me, we do. Yeah, take care of yourself. Do what's best for you. Oh, trust me, we are. This is why in the Bible, when Paul's talking about husbands loving your wives, he says, love them like your own flesh. Why does he say that? Because he knows guys will take care of themselves. Man, the guys are getting real quiet in here. (laughs) So he says, Love that woman like she's you. In other words, take care of her with the same care and concern that you're already taking care of yourself. See, we're selfish to the core. And here's the good news. Thank God none of us is going to stand before the Lord on the basis of our own righteousness. There's only one person, one human being in all of history who lived a God-pleasing life. And I want the weight of this to hit you. Look at John 8, 29. 
This is what Jesus said. No other human being who's ever lived, no other religious leader who's ever lived could say these words. I always do what pleases him. This is part of the beauty of Jesus. I always do what pleases him. Isn't that awesome? So here's the deal. When I stand before God on the great day, my life is laid bare. Thank the Lord I'm hidden in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. My sins have been forgiven. I've been declared righteous. And the God-pleasing life that Jesus lived in perfect obedience to God, the only life ever lived that way, is the reason it sets him up to be my Savior and your Savior. Isn't that good news? So listen, quit trying to be Mr. and Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes because you'll never be good enough. Get off the treadmill of performance and works and trying to be a good Christian, whatever that means. Stop it. You can't be a good Christian. You'll never measure up. You'll never be able to be good enough. Quit trying to work your way in. You have to admit you're a failure before you can ever join the club. We're all failures. We're all broken. We're all messed up. We all need help. That's why there's a Savior. Amen? So instead of trying, oh, God, oh, God, let this message beat you up like, oh, I have to live a God-pleasing life. How am I going to do that? Well, here's the good news. God even helps us to want to please him. Check out this next verse. This is amazing. Listen to what Paul says here. Go ahead to the next one. There we go. This is Romans chapter 7. If you know Romans chapter 7, that's the passage where Paul says, man, there's a part of me, I want to do what's right, I want to honor God, but then I fail, and there's another part of me, I struggle with my flesh, and I want to, I want to please God, and there's this struggle going on inside of him. Y'all, have any of you ever had that struggle? But look at what he says right in the midst of all this. Deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Here's the beauty of this. When you and I gave our lives to Jesus, he took out that old fleshy, yucky, dick bass, just selfish heart. Did you have a yucky, selfish heart? That's the worst. Because you're so sweet right now, but yet one time you had a nasty heart. Nasty. Nasty, horrible. The worst, you said. Vomit. Vomit. (laughs) You get the point. That's good enough. All right. God takes out the nasty, vomitous heart and puts within us a heart that at its true identity loves to please God. Am I speaking to the right crowd in here? This is why when you are truly converted, supernatural activity, and you become a lover of Jesus, your true identity, your true identity is to please God. In other words, the things you used to do that you know were not pleasing to God, you don't want to do them anymore. Now, do any of you struggle at times with falling backwards? Yeah, that's, that's the battle he's talking about. But listen, your true identity, the real you, is a God pleaser. This is good news. Go to the next verse. Look what Paul said. Acts 22, verse 3. I, I've been extremely passionate in my desire to please God. <sighs> That's why, you know what? I love, I love worship that is marked by passion. Because worship that's not marked by passion is disingenuous. It's fake worship. Like if I tell my wife, um, I love you. You mean, you mean the world to me. She's not real convinced. You mean the world to me. You're, you're very special. And then I fall asleep. That's not good. Because you know what? It's disingenuous. Because the heart is not following the words. That's why people say, man, Living Stones, the, the worship is passionate. It's the only kind of worship there is. Does this make sense? Because at the core of our being, God created us to be passionate in our desire to please Him. Go to the next one. Check this out. Galatians 1 verse 10, Paul says this, my supreme passion. I have, I, how many of you know, sometimes people say, well, people get passionate at baseball games, but they won't be passionate at church. Listen to me. 
You better be passionate at a baseball game, or why are you even there? There's nothing the matter with cheering for your Cubbies or your White Sox, although I don't know what we have to cheer for this year for our White Sox. I'm a White Sox fan. There's nothing the matter with being passionate about things. Be passionate. If you're Italian, be passionate about meatballs or whatever. All right, be passionate. But here, notice what he said. My supreme passion. Which means if you're out there going, woo, at the ball game, but, you're, but at church you're like this, you got a problem. It's not that you're weird at the ball game. It's that you're not normal at church. Your supreme passion. The one on top. Supreme passion. Needs to be for Jesus Christ. But listen, you can't do this apart from his work in you. Look at the next verse. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. This is from the Passion Translation. I love how colorful this is. It says, now you must continue to make this new life. Well, what's this new life? This God-pleasing life fully manifested as you live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. God will continually revitalize you. Can anybody say hallelujah on that? God will continually revitalize you implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. This is so cool. I just told you, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you don't have faith, you're not pleasing him. But if you're not pleasing him, that's really bad because you're going to stand before him someday and pleasing God matters. And you're like, oh, how do I do this? God just told you how. He not only gives you a new heart, but he continually revitalizes you by the Spirit, by the Word, by fellowship, and He puts within you passion to do what pleases Him. How many of you know He who began the work is faithful to finish the work? Being a Christian is not self-help. It's not self-effort. It's about letting God put out, pull out that yucky, old, self-centered heart, put in a heart that, I, that loves Jesus, and then help you along the way to live a passionate lifestyle for God. Can you see how we've been set up to succeed right from the beginning? God is committed to making us God-pleasers, people who move in the realm of faith to please God. Now, I got the bad news for you. Look at Romans chapter 8, one last verse here in this section. Faith keeps us pursuing God in humble dependence, but here's here's the bad thing about unbelief. Unbelief ignores and dishonors God. Take a look at this verse. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. How many of you know you can't be God-centered and self-centered at the same time? Ends up thinking more about yourself than about God. That person ignores who God is, and that person ignores what God is doing. And look at the last line. I love this. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. Are there any dads in here? Are there any dads that have ever given any instructions to your children? Are there any dads who have ever given instructions to your children that were met without an acknowledgement that you even exist and that there was ed, even any hearing of what you just said. Any dads in here? Yes, and dad, when, when that happens, doesn't it fill your heart with warm, loving fuzzies? And, and, no, that's, that's not what happens. What happens is you want to go and say, did you just hear what I just said? You're not, then look at your father. How about this one? When you, when you hey, hey, so-and-so, your child, whatever. I won't expose any kids or any names. Child, so-and-so. Hey! Then you hear this little voice from the basement. Yeah. <laughs> what? Now, my father was like, What? 
when I call you, you stop what you're doing, you hop to your feet, you race up the stairs, and you say like a little puppy, yes, Dad. What, what do you need me to do for you? Not, huh, from a video-induced drug state. No, no, no. That, how much more the creator of the universe? When we live in a nation that largely ignores God, ignores his commands, ignores what he shared, ignores his great love for us, ignores Jesus, mocks the cross, mocks... God isn't pleased at being ignored. This is why there is a judgment coming. Because, listen to me, heaven is not going to be filled with God ignorers. It's going to be filled with God lovers, with passionate people who have submitted their life to Jesus Christ, not people that ignore God. So let me just encourage you, when you're going through a struggle, don't ignore God. Go to Him first. When you have a health crisis, don't ignore God. Curse, you know, curse the day you were born and roll over and wait to die. Go to God in prayer. Be confident in Him. When you're facing a challenge with a family member, you know, I shared this morning, there was a brother here who came up a couple weeks ago on Father's Day and shared something with me, and I just started crying because I felt his pain. He had been through a painful divorce. In the divorce, uh, there was the side taking, and one spouse turned the other kids against him, and all of a sudden, he's got two kids whom he loves very much who want nothing to do with him. How many of you know that's painful? And we had times here, prayer, we had times here when he would weep and I would weep with him and we would pray. But this is the deal. Either you roll over and you act like God doesn't care, you act like God doesn't exist, you act like there's nothing God can do about it, or you begin to be proactive, you begin to thank God that he's a restorer, that God heals broken relationships. You begin to do what you can do to, to reach out and love your children and to begin uh, building bridges with them. And two weeks ago on Father's Day, he came to this altar right he said, Pastor, you'll never believe what happened. He said, today after church, my two kids are taking me out for lunch on Father's Day. Come on, that is awesome. And we stood and we cried again. Because listen, the devil wants to beat your brains out, knock you to the ground, and then when you're down, he doesn't extend a hand of mercy. He jumps on your face if he can. You understand, he's out to kill you. And you either roll over and take it, or you act like a believer. Hey, God is for me. Who can be against me? It's my faith that overcomes this world. I'm going to believe that there's a God, and then he cares about this situation. You begin confessing the truth about God's word over situations before you see anything change. That's why on the cover of your bulletin, I chose to have a a telescope, because sometimes people think faith is like this person sitting on the edge of a cliff with their feet dangling off. Woo! I'm going to sit out here and do scary things. No, that's stupid, sitting on the edge of cliffs. That's how people die. Or the people taking selfies on the edge of cliffs right before they fall off. That's not cool. That's stupid. And that's not faith. Faith is like a telescope. How many of you know there were stars and planets that existed out in God's created universe before we had the eyes to even see them? In fact, it's amazing to me, as I've taught philosophy in different places, it's amazing to me that some of the early Christian scientists knew exactly where certain planets or stars were based on mathematics alone before there was any telescope invented yet. But as soon as the telescope was invented, they pointed it in the exact place in the sky. And guess what? They saw for the first time what was always there. 
faith gives us the ability to see what God is about to do before it even happens. But here's the deal. Let me give you some principles quickly. We're going to wrap up. Three quick principles from this verse, Hebrews eleven six. First of all, faith believes that God's real. I mean, you know, a lot of people today, they're like, ah, I don't really know if I believe in God. Uh, it sounds so cool to be an atheist or agnostic, you know, until you're going to stand before God someday, because this is what the Bible says. God has revealed himself in two major ways, through this world. How in the world, through mathematics, could scientists, before telescopes were invented, could scientists figure out exactly where a star or planet was going to be? How does that happen? It happens because there's an orderly universe that corresponds to the mind of God, and it's not random, it's not accidental. You can't find planets that are moving around accidentally, but you do find them moving in divine order and precision. The world in which we live is full of the glory of God. And here's another thing. The Word is full of the glory of God, both the living Word and the written Word. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and this book contains truth about God. So his world and his word reveal the reality of who he is. And I just got to say this this morning. God is so convinced that he's real that he calls his knowledge self-evident in the Bible. In other words, that people say, well, you know, I just need more proof. No, you don't. Your heart, your, your heart is lying to you. Because you have the law of God written on your heart, the Bible says, and you see around, you see the glory of God in creation. In fact, if you just look in the mirror long enough, you realize it's an absolute mathematical improbability that you exist by chance and that you're the amazing machine that you are, created in the image and likeness of God. It's not that God hasn't revealed himself, it's that we suppress the truth, the Bible says, and we pretend like God isn't there, because if we suppress the truth, then I can still be God, and I can live for myself, and I can do what I want. But the Bible says, lastly, that we're going to be without excuse. Romans chapter 1. We're going to stand before God someday. We're going to be without excuse. So the first place that we start with faith is simply believing that God exists, that he's real, that he's the foundation. How many of you know if God, is not, if God doesn't exist, you're not here and you're not real? All the foundation of being comes from the one who is initial being, which is God himself. The rest of us wouldn't even be here today if it were not for the reality of God. In fact, Romans 14.1, the Bible says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So you have to believe that there is a God. But I want you to see this next point, which is so important. If I said God exists and he is, and I filled in the blank, God exists and he is, fill in the blank. What could you say? You could say, God is love. God is holy, right? Help me out. God is awesome, faithful, kind, compassionate, powerful, wise. How many of you know we could go on and list a whole bunch of attributes? Again, I'm framing this because I I want you to feel the stunning nature of what this verse says. Out of all the things that the Holy Spirit could have revealed about who God is, without faith it's impossible to please God, for we must believe that He exists and He is a... Unbelievable. God says, if you do certain things, I will reward you. this just needs to sink in. No, you know, God just loves everybody. Um, No, not in the way you think. He just accepts us the way that we are, and we do whatever we want, however we want. No, he is a rewarder 
of those who diligently seek Him, of those who seek to please Him, of those who honor His Word, of those who honor His ways. He is a rewarder, which means why do we pray? Because when we pray, God hears and God rewards. And if God doesn't reward, why do we waste our breath praying for anything? We have to believe that He's God and that He exists. And, that, and then the first thing, if I know that God exists, here's the next logical question that should pop into my mind. What is God like? Thank God He's told us what He's like. Thank God Jesus came and said, I am God. To see me, to look in my face, is to see the glory of God. God has not left His identity unknown to us. So what happens? We believe that there's a God. We begin to pursue Him. We begin to grow in our knowledge of God. We begin to act like God. We begin to align our lives like God. We begin to cry out to God, not because He's some mystical spirit out there who hope, you know, we hope something might happen or whatever, or some religious activity. Listen, you cry out to God because He rewards. God says, I reward. I hear. I answer. I'll meet you where you're at. I'm the kind of God that rewards certain things. What does he reward? Faith. He rewards faith. What is faith? It's simply believing that God is who he said he is. Believing that what the promises of God are true for me and for my household. So when my kids are going through a a rough spot in the road and they're trying to lose my joy or they're making some poor decisions or I'm feeling like, what is going on? I don't roll up in the corner under the table in fetal position and act like there's no God. I start praying. I start declaring the promises of God over my children. I start saying, every one of my offspring is going to be loving God, serving God. They're going to be fulfilling the destiny of God. Why do I say that? Because the Bible tells me to pray like that. When we're lacking resources, I don't go, oh God, what are we going to do? That's how unsaved people act. We have a God in heaven. We have a God of super abundance. We have a God who cares about these things. What do we do? God, help. I need a breakthrough, God. God, nothing is impossible for you. God, we're prophesying every time we go in to my father and we see my father. We pray over my father. Thank you, Lord, you're strengthening him. We pray over Pastor Nick. This week we pray, thank you, Lord, for new hips. Thank you, God. He's stronger for longer. There's more nations to go to. Come on, we're not alone. You don't have to go through life alone. There's an amazing God. Call unto him. He will answer. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I remember when this church was going through a trial, people were prophesying doom and gloom and the church was going under and everything else. I got fight going on in my spirit when I heard some of that stuff. I'm like, devil, who do you think you are? This place was birthed for your glory. This place was established for you. I know what my mom and dad went through. I know your purpose for this place isn't that we go belly up, that we die. I started walking out in the field, talking to God out in the field. I started declaring the prophecies over this house. I started saying, thank you, Lord. This can be a launch pad to the nations. We hadn't launched anybody anywhere in the nations. Now we can't even keep up with God. I started thanking him. We'd be a launch pad to the nations. Where'd all that come from? Pastor, are you crazy? Yeah, I'm crazy enough to believe God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's how crazy I want to be. Come on. I remember, I remember in prayer, literally, at one season, I was so frustrated how many of you know 
it's the nature of God and the kingdom of God to expand. You can't contain. The Bible says the gates of hell cannot stop the movement of God's church, which is why in every communist country, every persecuted place, whenever governments try to suppress the people of God, they explode with revival. There's an outbreak of God's spirit. This is true everywhere in history. You cannot stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not a, we're not a social club. Are you kidding me? We're the people of God. We're supernatural. We're unstoppable. We know where this is going. Our job is to believe God again. So I'm in this, I'm in this church building, and I just got frustrated that the four walls of this place were still containing what God wants to do, still containing the new wine, still containing the glory of the Lord. I got frustrated, and I just started putting my hands on this wall. I said, you walls will not contain what God's going to do in this place. The 20 acres of this ground that God's blessed us with is not for cutting grass. Come on. It is for, there's going to be other things that will emerge buildings that will emerge, that will help minister to people, that will train people, that will love people, that will grow people. Pastor, how's all that going to happen? I don't have to worry about the details. I just, my job is to talk it. My job is to preach it. My job is to believe God. My job is to worship in the midst of the storm because I'm not a pagan. I'm somebody who knows God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth. That's who our God is. Come on. Listen, you're going to go through hardships. You're going to experience loss. Some of you in this room, you've experienced loss. But that doesn't mean you quit. We went through a situation in our family when Marion lost a pregnancy. It was painful. You grieved the loss of that child. But you know what? We didn't quit. We just said, thank you, Lord. You know what you're doing. We thank you for more children. We thank you for a bigger family. We thank you, God, that whatever your purpose was here, you're gonna, you're, you have greater purposes for us. We worship you in the midst of the storm. See what I'm talking about? God does not like being ignored. I'm going to say it again. God does not like being ignored. You know, David, you got a great opportunity this week. I'm just looking at you. This is, what, this is what active faith looks like. This is how we bring the kingdom. David was called to do a funeral service. Is that this coming? Uh, there was an outbreak of, of, of shootings and murder in Gary. And just by the divine providence of God and David's connections, he got called to go and help minister to the families and to lead the funeral service for the victims. Now, there's still gang shooting and everything taking place. How many of you know if you got called to go lead that funeral service, you might maybe be busy that day? Because somebody might show up at the funeral and start being crazy and shooting and killing people. But not people of faith. People of faith say, what a great opportunity. I get to go in and have an opportunity to bring healing and reconciliation in the midst of chaos and violence. You see, you can either act like, you're, like you know God or you can act like you don't know God. And listen, God looks like risk. God looks like sometimes danger. God looks like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Those are the things God looks like. But on the other side of that step of faith, God shows up and guess what happens? You get to make some amazing memories. I mean, you know, the only things we ever talk about are usually the things that, that were awe-inspiring. What are the things you remember? Usually it's things that scared you to death or, or victories or something that you overcame, right? I mean, it's something you, had, you fought so hard, you worked for whatever, and all of a sudden you, you succeeded. I mean, you know, it's the same thing in the Christian life. 
Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Some of you are still dealing with health issues. That's okay. We're going to keep believing with you. We're going to keep fighting with you. We're going to keep trusting God. Uh, Some of you are dealing with emotional scars or pains or whatever. Listen, today, today could be a breakthrough for somebody in this place that doesn't know Jesus. Because he's saying, come on, trust me today. I can turn it around today. We prayed with a dear lady this week at the bottom of her rope. And, and, and despairing even life itself. But you know what? One, this is the beautiful thing. One little heart turn, heart turn back towards the Lord. And I said, your whole destiny has just shifted. We hugged, we prayed, we cried. And she's making some new choices in her life. Because that's the way this thing works. We're people of faith. We're people who, who love God. We're people who are rewarded by God. Last verse. Put up the very last, the last verse. This is the story of Hezekiah. And I want to pray with you all. There we go. Look what it says about King Hezekiah. In every work that he began in the service of the house of God, both in the law and in the commandments, to seek his God, he did it with all of his heart. And look at the last three words. Read them out loud with me. So he prospered. Why did he prosper? Because everything that he did, he sought God, he did it with all of his heart, and he honored the revelation of who God was. Some of you say, well, you know, I don't know if I believe in all this tithing and generosity and all that kind of stuff. You know, I had somebody tell me uh, a couple weeks ago they were seeking direction in their life. And I said, you know what? Get alone with the Lord. Get, up, get in the Word. Pray. Ask God to show you, and God will give you direction in this decision that you need to make. And this is what he told me. God won't talk to me. And I think I shocked him right back. I said, you know what? You're right. And he looked at me kind of shocked. I said, you know why God won't talk to you? Because you dishonor him with your unbelief. Because you dishonor him with your unbelief. You know, sometimes we make God to be a little nicer than he is. You dishonor me with your unbelief. Why won't you believe me? The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. Isn't that what, is that what your Bible says, John 10, 10? My sheep hear my voice. And you're going to tell God, well, God won't talk to me. Oh, really? Are you bigger than God? Well, you know, God won't forgive me. Oh, really? What Jesus did on the cross wasn't good enough for you? Come on, who do we think we are? Why don't we humble ourselves? Why don't we confess our dependence upon God? Why don't we do it His way? Why don't we, why don't we acknowledge that He's as great as He says He is? That He's as powerful as He says He is? And why don't we believe, and I want you to hear this, why don't we believe that when we honor a God like that, he rewards us and we will prosper and succeed in everything we set our hands to do. Amen. Did y'all hear what I just said? God's desire for you is to prosper and succeed in what you do for his glory, under his leadership, and in the faith that God's leading you. His job isn't to cause you to be uh, you know, down and out, uh, at the end of your rope, um, struggling on and on and on and on. You might start there, but that's never where God finishes with you. And I just want us to get in our spirits that if you're a part of this fellowship, we're going to believe God for big things. There, there's going to be times you're going to go, Pastor, Pastor, how are we going to do that? I'm going to go, I don't know, but let's hold on. It's like when you're at the roller coaster at, at Kings Island or Great America and you're on the front, front cart. And you hear the little click, you know, the, you know that click? That's the point of no return click. And you realize you're in for the ride of your life. Listen, listen. Can we all just put our... Can we all just put our uh, Shoulder harness on and just listen to the click. Yeah. I heard it right there. Because guess what? We're going to go big for God. Yes, 
Look at this couple right here. Divorced one minute, remarried the next, husband with his arm around his wife. Only God can do stuff like that right there. Uh, only God can do that. Uh, let's keep believing him for more restoration in other marriages and other families, all right? Only God can, can, can pull hearts together and heal people. Only God can do these things. But let, if we're going to have one fault, let's, let's make sure this is our fault. Imagine a guy say, you know, you guys, here's your one fault. The church at Livingstones, here's your fault. You believe me for too much. You know, you just, you just ask too much of me, you guys. No, I don't think God's going to say that to anybody. But you know what? Let's try. Let's try to make that our goal. Amen? Some of you in your personal lives, I hope faith stirs up in your heart today. I really do. Some of you need, some of you need to just get the fight back in your spirit. I'm not saying what, what you're dealing with is easy. Please don't hear me. These are hard, difficult, painful things we go through, but you're not going through it alone. Get your fight back. Get your word back. Get in, the, get, in the, get in the word of God. Get in the presence of God. Worship the Lord. Uh, fight back and watch what God begins to do. These things often don't happen instantly either. Right. Sometimes we, we, we fight for a while. We fight for a season. But don't quit. God is faithful. God is always faithful to his word. All right? So let's have audacious faith. I want you to stand to your feet with me this morning. We're going to have prayer at the altar for those of you that need prayer. But I'm going to pass the mic to... Pastor Dick this morning, and let him close the service out. Uh, we have our meet and greet right now. If you're, if you're new to Living Stones, I personally and our leadership team, we, we'd like to meet you out in the uh, coffee area, okay, the cafe, out in the lobby. So please drop by and see us. Or if you're just hungry, we do have some cookies that might have your name on it, all right? But I want to have Pastor Dick close us out in prayer. I want our leadership team to be up front. There might be somebody in this place that's never submitted their life to Jesus Christ. What an amazing time. Or maybe you've been far from God. It's time to come back and say, you know what, I, I need to... I need to Put, I need to make my supreme passion, my ultimate passion, loving Jesus. All right? You can do that today. Just one little turn of your heart and watch what God begins to do in your life. So, Pastor Dick, if you'd close us. Amen. Lord, we're, <clears throat> we've come here to honor you, to worship you. You're the creator, the maker of the heavens and the earth. You've made us. Nothing is impossible for you. You're a God of love. Lord, you said we're to live a life that's pleasing to you. So, Lord, afresh today, we just turn from our little hearts of doubt, of unbelief, hearts that sometimes uh, don't acknowledge you, that you even exist. We repent of that. And, Lord, we say we choose you. We choose to honor you. We choose to believe in you. We want to be known as the people of God who trust you with all their hearts. So, Lord, we ask for grace today, for heart-turning, grace today to be uh, troublemakers, dream-makers, water-walkers, walk-through walls, uh, those who are, are, as our message is today, audacious, beyond imagination, faith. Lord, release afresh this morning, or this afternoon now, a spirit of, of vibrant, living faith. Lord, we choose you. We choose to honor you, to believe you, to believe the good report, not the bad report, to enter into a life where all things are possible to those who believe in you. Father, if you would not um, risk sending your own son to us, how will you not, as we trust you and believe in you, do all things all things that are wonderful and glorious. 
Father, make living stones a, a church of faith. We want just, we don't want 70 nations. We'll take 71 of the most unreached nations of the world. Father, we're asking you these things for your glory. We're asking you these things that people will be saved, marriages will be restored, hearts will explode in um, exploits. We want to be those who do exploits for you, not for our recognition or our glory, but that people will point to us. That's a people there that believe God and trust God. And in that, there is great reward. So, Lord, we open our hearts, do heart surgery. We want wide-open hearts full of faith, full of love, full of expectancy. And I pray that for each one of us. Lord, take us to the next level and make our, our faith vibrant, full of joy, full of victory, because this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith, our trust in you. In Jesus' name, from the newest believer to the oldest saint in this house, rejuvenate, revive, refresh, restore, and bring glory to the name of Jesus like never before. Take us from grace to grace, faith to faith, and glory to glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen in faith for the glory of God.